and welcome to episode 47 of Three Bears of Movie. I am Richard Laird, you are Colin McKay. And Colin, where are we again today? We are in the Raven in Glasgow and Renfield Street, near the top. Up Renfield Street, you want to be very specific where we are? Yeah, I want somebody to come and join us one week. Guess if we're always set up the week, come join us. It does, and it's yeah. nice and sunny in Glasgow today? Yeah, you can spout shit rise in the podcast. Yeah, it's lovely. Yeah, um, it's cold today, isn't it? It's cold earlier, lads. We're shivering here. Yeah, exactly. It's a proper Scottish four yeah. seasons in one day type thing around the south. There's nothing of you. What are you drinking today, Colin? I am drinking Cold Town Beer, which I believe is Raven's own brewery. Now, are you drinking this, Colin, because you like the taste or because you got it for free? Both. Uh, I, I really <laughs> like the taste. I don't have to buy one, and, and the lady said, um, I'll tell you how much, it's what you give me good feedback, you can have it for nothing, and I was sold. And you give it for, and you give, you give good feedback? I did, because I actually do it. I, I genuinely like it. It is quite it's nice. Tasty. It's sort of like a more classy tennis, isn't it? Sort of like, yeah. It reminds me of um, Skull. It's got that kind of drink. Skull? It's, it's just, <laughs> just light and... That's it. <laughs> it's just showing your age, but like you drink uh, Skull uh, at some point. Uh, uh, <laughs> it's, it's still by Skull. It's Skull, I think. Yeah, it's still... I've got a Skull sponsor of the League Cup, That's like back in the day, yeah, it was a Skull Cup. It's a bit light I mean, it's like, it's like 2 or 3% and I mean, you can drink... So what's Skull Super? Well. How much is that? Is that like 4? Oh, I'll get it. It's right, okay. Where is Skull made? Is that a Danish beer? Or? I think it's not saying Skull, it's a Scottish beer, I think. It's been in like Skull, yeah, I'm probably oh, sure. It's not got the, the making of funny marks over the Oro. Possibly. Oh. I always assumed it was, because it's both of the Scottish Cup, I always assumed it was Scottish beer. I think beer. it's a Scandinavian. Right. I, I like to think it's it's a Scandinavian. Because you're, Iceland, you're part Viking. Right, right, yeah. make it Icelandic. Icelandic, okay. Icelandic. What are you drinking, sir? I am drinking Dead Pony Club from Brewdog. Oh, like sort of, yeah, I do like Brewdog. And Dead Pony Club is sort of their session one. It's very light, it's very nice. It's only about 3.8%. It goes down very well. You can nice. drink. It's not like Punk Eye Day where you can drink two or three of them and you start feeling like kind of... Yeah. So, yeah. Not woozy, but it's like your belly starts feeling a bit. Yeah. It's a bit too sweet yeah. maybe for your belly. Whereas... That one you can drink pretty much all night long and be absolutely fine. So we're fine. both having nice, light, fluffy drink. Nice, light, light, fluffy yeah. drink. Um, so we'll get to the non-cinema viewing first of all, Colin. What have you watched not at the cinema of interest? Non-cinema viewings. Um, I will start with my TV escapades. Oh. Finished off Lost in Space. How many episodes is it? Uh, ten. Ten. Ten episodes. And you know what? I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed every minute. I, I really, really liked it a lot. And I'm still not convinced that Parker Posey. And... It's like Alice should be the same person. It's, it's the same person, so um, I'm convinced. Parker Posey and who? Alice should be. They're not the same person, I they're completely different. I, even though I know it's Parker Posey, when I'm watching it, it's Alice should No, because Parker Posey is sort of like the indie chick of indie chicks. She's the indie chick of being Alice should No, she's the indie chick of indie chicks. She's in every, the only big film she ever probably was in, I think, was Superman Returns. No, not Alice should Parker Posey. <laughs> was, um Superman Returns, she played Lex Luthor's... She of, wasn't, I think, partner either, was it? She played Lex Luthor's missus in it, so she was sort of a big Irish part. She's she had a lot of screen from it. I can't actually... That's how forget what it was. I can't even fucking remember, is it? Really? She has in a shit ton of, like, indie flicks from, like, yeah. early 90s, 2000s. She has actually. She's not actually. Anyway, what's your space? What do you think of it? I highly recommend it. Fun. It's fun. I mean, the, the plot's not the most engaging in the world, do you know what I mean? You kind of know what's happening and stuff like that, but for... TV, the, the, the kind of sets and designs and effects are spot on. Some of the actions, a few kind of rope ones, but mostly 90% is decent acting as well. It does look like a bit of money on it. Ah, definitely. There's a bit of budget towards it. Yeah. Budget on it. Yeah. Um, it, it puts things like bright and stuff like that to shame. I do. They're probably bright, but you had a big budget. We didn't really see what that budget was. You made you realise the budget was it was all on the, the actors. Yeah, well, Whereas so. if you spend, spend less on the actors, obviously you have a bit more scope to do with set design, production design. Yeah. And I think from what I've seen of, well, I've not seen much of it yet, it does look spend a bit of money on the actual yeah. setup of it. And it's got a few subtle nods to, to the 60s shows, well, nice. which is really nice as well. So you kind of know anything about the, 
full show you get a wee warm glove now and again when they kind of probably quite light viewing isn't it something maybe like you can watch a few in a row and you oh, can get yeah, it's not, yeah. I not mean, I think these. it mostly done I went three last night was a mostly Andy Watts right. it's usually two at a time right, okay. and you're perfectly happy with that and you walk away and you don't feel you need to rush back to it but when you do go back to it you're like yeah this is what I'm enjoying it nice um, the other big Netflix thing and I'll invite you to join me this one sir is Happy, happy. Um, I'm only on the third episode and I know you're fucking I've finished it I've, you I've, told the arse I, I loved it that's what I'm going to point out I absolutely love Happy Happy okay. was one of the best things I've seen on TV for a long time it is fun it's it insanely fun but so also brutally dark as well really horrible and it gets really dark in the final episode, it gets really horrible. It like, darker. Yeah, it, gets, it does get darker. Yeah, um, so basically, the parents are happy as there's a ex policeman who's now a hitman mm-hmm. who is suicidal. He's crazy. He's mm-hmm. sort of, he, he burnt yeah, he burnt out. He's, he's on the on, on the edge. Um, someone gets kidnapped. Yep. But you know, they find out quite early on it's his daughter in the first episode. Yeah. It, 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 you find yeah, out it's his daughter. Kinda... His daughter has got an imaginary friend called Happy, Happy. who is a pink a, unicorn. Flying unicorn. Pink flying unicorn. Yeah. She sends Happy off into the world, and because the, the main guy is having a nervous breakdown, essentially, yeah. he starts to see Happy. Yeah, and thinks that first he's and then starts to show, but she'll realise, well, this, I can see this. Yeah, I can see this, yeah. I can see this creature. Um, and from that, is the story is him him and Happy trying to find out where his daughter is and trying to get his daughter back. Yeah. Mixed in with that, he's got his ex-wife involved as well. Yep, his he's ex- also a cop, and there's mobsters after him. And he's actually not a cop. No, the other one's oh, one, yeah, so yeah, the yeah. one. He's yeah. also another woman involved who he had an affair with or something along those lines. Yeah. So there's a whole kind of love triangle, and what? also every mobster's after him as well, yeah. because he knows something he shouldn't know. Yes. So there's a lot of stuff involved um, in it, yeah. What I really like is... Um, yeah, it's a guy because who's I'm used to seeing him in Law and Order SVU and he plays, you know, the, the kind of stand up right guy. Yeah, yeah. And seeing him in this is such yeah. a t- it's almost like a throwback to Oz when he played the, the, the kind of homosexual social part. Yeah, yeah. It's almost a throwback to channel in that, but with anger as well. But what I like about this is he finally got a chance. I don't know what is he the main guy in SVU? He's, he was for about yeah, twenty years away, yeah. Okay. I mean, I've never watched it so this is where I've seen him in something where he's not like say in a movie where he's like the fifth villain or yeah. sixth villain he's actually he's front and centre he's pretty much in every single scene in this show pretty much he's also ex-producer as well yeah so he also so he's, enjoyed he's it something yeah. that he wants to do and he wants to be involved in as yeah. well it's not an actor doing it for the money it's, no, he's, you know, it seems like he's and there's a lot of stuff in it that you go I don't know how much money he could offer you to do stuff like that yeah. it's, yeah, oh, it's yeah. pretty nasty you know well, I really love um, I spoke about this earlier on the week um, how it's the same guy that produced crime and stuff you can see a lot of crank in it, yeah. Yeah, a lot. Which is, I mean, I think Crank's a fun, fun yeah. film, and there's so much of it in the running of the camera. freneticness, it's just it's all over the place. It's, it's time just all over the place, you can't really know what's going on. You do know what's going on, but you feel like it's, you're trying to take it all it in. It moves you with it, you yeah. know. You kind of think this is almost breathing hard after a scene like yeah. Jesus, you know. I'm looking, and Pat Nosswell plays. The, he plays Happy. He plays Happy as well. He's yeah. quite fun. He's cute, he's yeah, yeah. Really time, he's enjoying know? it, yeah. Um, but I'm looking forward to it, to that. I'm loving yeah. it. Absolutely. It's only eight episodes, I think. Eight, yeah, eight episodes, eight, yeah. and I'll rattle through them in two days. How horrible is Santa? Santa's a bad, bad man, isn't it? Fucking horrible. It's just a character. It ends in a way that you're happy with the ending, because it ends if they didn't give it a second season, you'd be content with it, but they have given it a second season, yeah. so it will be interesting to see where this goes, where it goes going, yeah. going forward, yeah. yeah. So I'm quite happy. Um, I'm loving happy. I think the reviews for the IMDb as well have been strong, solid. Very strong, yeah, yeah, very strong. 8.9 rate or something. It's not quite getting a big release to say something like Jessica Jones or something, yeah. but it's, I think it's one of those kind of sleeper hits. People, everyone who sees it will, will, will be recommending it to people. Are you saying this is a cult classic? I think it could be. I think it's an excellent adaptation. So. Yeah. It, it elevates the original uh, 
Have you read the source material? Yes. Yeah. And it elevates it. Wow. The source material is still there, it's still very, very good. It's a bit like, mm-hmm. I would compare it to Kingsman, where the source material of Kingsman is very good, but the actual movie was actually better, I think, than the actual comic. Which is rare. It's rare, yeah. happen a lot. Um, I would maybe even say Kick-Ass might have been a better movie than it was a comic book. Comic book is good, it's got good ideas, it's well told, but I think the movie does it the same thing better. And the, the kind of visual... Visual element of it yeah. actually does something more to it. Generally, as I do believe that most people think the same as well, adaptations would normally have something lacking from the source material, but there is a few occasions when it does, it goes above it, and I would say this is one of the occasions. Okay, uh, the last uh, non-cinematic venture I've had was um, Lorraine introduced me to a film called One Crazy Summer. One Crazy Summer. From 1986. And it, it pretty much is, is in the same vein as The Breakfast Club, Picking Pink, Berish Beyond, all of that kind of, you know, mm. kind of John Hughes kind of culture. Um, it's very much in line with that. And I, I don't know how I missed this film. I mean, I've seen Ocean I mean, Sticks, which is a film that nobody yeah. else has fucking seen, and I've missed this one. Um, I mean, I was a child of these times, and when I watched it, dude, it's amazing. I'm, I've seen, you mentioned it earlier on, like, yeah. off, off mic, and I think, I can't believe I've not seen this film based on like, the cast that was in it. Yeah. Um, the kind of subject was something I was very much into when I was yeah, younger. Yeah, totally. totally. Um, it seems to come under the radar. Maybe, again, I think I'm thinking, maybe I have seen it, but then you just get a couple of scenes in it to me that I'm going, no, if I'd seen that film, you would know. I would remember those yeah, scenes. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's got Demi Moore in it, and um, my boy, John Cusack. Is Eric Stokes in it? Um, Eric still says in it, but it does have Bobcat Goldplay, who nice. I always I love. love. And essentially on, it's got one of the best Godzilla montage homage I've ever seen in my life, and it's just as amazing. Godzilla so it just puts a big fucking stupid smile on your face, and you just like blown away with it. Awesome. Um, dude, try and find it. No, definitely. It's a must-see. So what's it called? It's called One Crazy Summer. One Crazy um, Summer. And like I say, it's just every element of those kind of movies, like the genre movies, just crammed into this film. It's just beautiful. I shall look for it. I will definitely try and find this and write on my street. Uh, what's your non-cinema? My non-cinema viewing was one that, um, well basically, I let Jill pick a movie. Um, there's a movie out that done very well at cinema, like I'm talking massively well at cinema, like huge cinema um, box office. I think America's one of the top grossing comedies of like, sort of the last ten years or so. Well, okay. um, it's a film called Girl Strip. Okay. Which stars... Girl Strip? Trip. Ah, no. Trip, not Strip. Girl Strip we have elsewhere in the, in the collection. <laughs> um, Girl Strip. Um, it's basically a comedy about four women who go away to New Orleans to reconnect as friends and from that they're all, one of them's got like a business running but also go through a divorce and maybe one's maybe cheating on the other one, the other one works for a gossip column and maybe get find something that could maybe help the other person, so there's all that drama unfolding as well. Um, I'll be honest with you, I thought it was utter, utter shit. Who's in it? Queen Latifah's in it, that's one that's about a big oh. name in it, yeah. So I kind of love ones in it, there are other people I do recognise. Um, even Jill, who I thought would, who picked the film and I figured would be the only person who'd watch it, turned away after about half an hour and didn't even watch, fell asleep. Jill. Was, and I was left watching this thing for another hour and a half. Because you have to. You have to, you're committed to that point, you have to watch this film. You have to finish it off. The first hour I didn't really know what was going on because everyone just screamed at each other. And there's a lot of lingo in it where, again, I am a white man from Scotland. You know, these ladies from the hood who are talking, I was lost in the language. Suddenly we're my IT job. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know what I'm saying. Um, I just found it really bad and, and just really poorly done, really badly acted. Set up was poor. The jokes were bad as well. And saying that, everyone else I've spoke to who who's seen it absolutely loved it. So what's it? Is the problem that the, the comedies are just have been done to death? There's nothing funny, or it was a movie for you? I I, I don't. Know, I, I think it's a bit of both. 
because everyone else I know who's seen it has absolutely loved it. Right. It's me that didn't enjoy it, though. I guess, and I'm guessing it was maybe something to do with like maybe the sort of feel. But I'm not an African American lady from you know New York. You know, so maybe I'm, it's not aimed at my at me. You know, so maybe that was part of the problem. But I just you've, you've lost your funny one. What? No, because I think all oh, shit funny. Okay. Just, I did not find this funny at all. Yeah. And I really struggled with it. And I found some of the humour just like going, I, I'm not, I, I am a fan of gross humour and crude yeah. humour. But even this felt like, felt lazy. Did you laugh at all? Did we laugh at all? I can't think of a okay. one joke involving a banana and a grapefruit okay. that made me laugh. That was it. That did make me giggle. But that was but that was one joke out of two hours of comedy. Yeah. So that's, that's a lot of jokes. It's been a, on, the, on the race war thing, that's yeah, a mess. That's a mess, yeah. yeah. Um, like I said, but it did make massive money at the box office. I guess everyone who I know who's seen it has absolutely loved it. It just missed the mark with me. Is it a sequel, women? I'm assuming it will be, because like I said, massive money it made. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. I would say don't. I would cinema, say don't. Cinema goes up. Yeah. yeah, I think you will. Yeah. You can. You can. You know, call something. Yeah. How can that make 150 million? But say something like what we do in the shadows, or hundreds of other people only make 20. Yeah. You know, and if for Justin Field, the role would be reversed. Do you know how, sir? Market, market, fucking marketing. Oh, girls, girls' night, girls' trip. So it appeals to. I'm assuming people who went and seen it were people, like girls in a night out, essentially. So it's like it's appealing to that audience. You know, five women go and see it, and the same way go and see Fifty Shades of Grey. It appeals to that audience, and they don't really go to cinema that much as a group of friends. But when they do, they, they go and big and they go and spend money and that stuff. So they can, and then five of them all tell one of their friends who didn't go, who then takes five of her other friends, and all of a sudden it's it's a whole massive weekends and stuff like that and they make out of it. So maybe that's like making the money. But me was not a fan. What would you have rated out of ten if it was? I would seven? give it a three. Oh yeah, it did not that's almost more to care it, was, it, was, it was a struggle to get through. Oh, it was a, yeah. very much a struggle. I don't think I'm gonna watch it. No, don't watch it. Don't watch it. You'll not you'll not appreciate it at all. Yeah. But we'll move on to cinematic stuff instead. Cinematic stuff. Like, um, you've seen more than me. I've seen more than you, so I'll start off a few that I've seen that you've not seen. You, I think a couple of you might want to see. So the first one is called Mary and the Witch's Flower. Which is? It's a, a, a Japanese anime film from Hiro Masa. No, Hiro Masa John Bashi, I think his name is, who directed when Marley was there. So he is from Shiro Ghibli. When Shiro Ghibli wound down What's about. Shiro Ghibli, like we'd watch no, no, Ghibli. There's a beer. So Shiro Ghibli wound down about, I mean, about a year ago, a year and a half, maybe a year and a yeah, half. Yeah. yeah. Basically, the guys who worked for them all sort of still wanted to work. You know, so they've sort of, this is the sort of studio that came from their ashes, I think it's called, I want to say Podmar or something, the name of the studio is it? So they're the ones taking on this, the, the Ghibli throne. Can you see them? Oh, like 100% yeah. all over it, yeah. Um, so the guy directed when Marley was there, which I think, did you mean you both go and see when we Marley? We went to see him. I really Marley enjoyed it. Yeah, really sad, enjoyed it. Sad, yeah. Really, yeah. Um, the plot of this film is quite a simple film, um, where there's a girl who is staying with an auntie because her parents are away. She, she's a bit of a loner, but likes to get about and about in the, in the wilderness, in the wildlife. She finds berries that give her magical powers, and the magical powers take her away to a school of witchcraft, which is not Hogwarts. <laughs> it's called Endor. <laughs> Again, oh, yeah. Of course yeah, it's called Endor. Um, it's based on a book, based on like a, 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 an American story, but I think it was written before Star Wars, just happened to have the same name. Okay. Um, in there, she, she realises um, the witches are wanting these berries because they can use it to have mass power, and it's all like an adventure sort of her trying to keep stuff, uh, rescue her friends who've been kidnapped as well. And also keep the guys away from the witches who do bad stuff with them. It's quite a simple story. It's not. Is is it simple in terms of without not being racist and things? But you know, sometimes Japanese anime it goes over Western. Yeah, I think it's culturally. Different. Cultural, yeah. I think that's. I think that's what. 
sets it apart from the uh, Shiro Ghibli was there are some fanta- there are obviously fantastic elements in this, but it's not quite as insane as some of the Shiro Ghibli stuff is. You know, like Howl's Moving Castle and um, yeah. it, My Neighbor Totoro and stuff like that. Yeah. So you, you're just like going like, holy shit, this is just. This it's just more a kids movie. It does seem that's more like a kids movie, yeah. and it seems more sort of because it's based on a, a Western story. It does seem very much more of a sort of you know by the numbers sort of tale, like telling of that story. Um, stunning to look at, as you'd imagine, because yeah. they are the animation that these guys do is, is nothing short of so brilliant. Every scene you could see, like, oh, it's action. beautiful, absolutely beautiful. Um, the cast, and I unfortunately had to see the dub version of it because the subtitle version was shown it wasn't shown the right times for me. Um, the dub version, it was not as strong as the Ghibli stuff is because we've always said that Shiro Ghibli is the one thing you'd watch dubbed. Yeah. It's actually on a par with like. Normal animation. Yeah. It doesn't seem. It doesn't seem fake anyway. It seems. It seems they've, they've fixed it right. Um, you get Ruby Barnhill playing the young girl. She's in the BFG. The young right. girl in the oh, BFG. So she's yeah. good in it. Kate Winslet playing the main witch. You've got always oh, a bad bad. Barry, yeah. You get Ewan Bremner as well playing sort of the groundskeeper okay. in the thing. And you've also got Jim Broadbent who is the one person who is insanely miscast. Yeah. He, he doesn't really. He just. Usually. Yeah. He just gets really. The guy was a bit like Doctor Robotnik in it. And he just gets very shouty and angry, right. and it just it feels totally out of whack with the actual the actual film itself. So he kind of put me off a bit when he was doing the stuff. Right. I don't. Best of character or is it the direction he's been given? Possibly both. I'm not, yeah. I'm not entirely sure, but either way, it felt that that was a big loss. I mean, maybe if I saw it in the dub version of it, that would have maybe changed that for me because I wouldn't, yeah. I wouldn't be seeing it in the same way. Yeah. Uh, oh, sorry, not the dub version, the subtitle yeah, the version. I've been seeing it a different way. But like I said, it's beautiful to look at. It's a lovely story. It's nothing too taxing. It's not going to melt your brain as maybe some Ghibli stuff does. Um, and it's to the point where I was watching it. It was like half ten on a Sunday morning. I was watching it, and Ghibli is so comforting to watch. Yeah. It's such like a, it's like watching a film is a big blanket rubber. It's so yeah. it's, it's such warm, soft colours. The music always on in the world. Oh, and it's it's almost hard to stay awake in, in a good way because you're such, you feel so content with this world you're in, yeah. um, and that I think is a good thing. Even if I wasn't, I wasn't, kind of, I wasn't getting tired because I was bored. I was just thinking this is such a lovely way to spend an after a morning. Um, but you no, know, I, really, I really enjoyed it, um, but not quite on a par with the Ghibli sort of. Um, this is the first film. Yeah. Um, what, what I was going to say is, um, do you think? Ewan Bremner's like, let's get, let's get Ewan McGregor, we can't afford him, who else will Ewan Bremner, um, he does go very Scottish in this, yeah. like very Scottish <laughs> in it, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, I would give it, I'm going to give it a 7 out of 10. Yeah, so it's solid. good for a freaking kids yeah, movie. Definitely, yeah. yeah. It's a, a good way. I would like to see it again, maybe see it in the subtitle version, see if that changes my dynamic yeah. of it, I think maybe some of them, like we said, some of the voice cast them put me off a little bit. Yeah. But overall, 7 out of 10, I really thoroughly enjoyed it. I had a lovely watch. A couple of months on the Netflix show, do you think? I imagine so, yeah, yeah. yeah. Very okay, nice film. For sure. I don't think we'll get it because it's not getting... It's still on us now. It's got a second week, which I was quite nicely um, found out, but it's yeah. like late, it's kind of late shows. The times are yeah. really early, or really late, late. there's yeah. not much in the kind of peaks. Yeah, I'd, I'd make an effort to go and see it on a Sunday morning. I'd spend my whole time to go and see it. I'd have to make a real effort to go and see it. No, thanks. Because <laughs> I do go and see it. Because it was out a couple of weeks ago, but it was only one show, and yeah. I thought that was it. Yeah, yeah they finally brought it back. It's like, yeah, it Back again, so it must be, must be doing something. Some, yeah, there's Japanese films do. I mean, I saw it in the morning, there was no one in it, it's just me and yeah. one other guy. But the I think generally they do have to do a decent No, we weren't. I was we're sitting well, yeah, that, would really, yeah, that would be really awkward. Yeah, just side by side, half ten in the morning, watching a children's animation film. 
Uh, no, we weren't sitting there. Um, but yeah, so if you get a chance, if you can find it, the cinema is worth seeing the big screen, but if you don't, I think it's still lo- uh, lovely on the small yeah. screen. Okay. Next time I go to the cinema and it's quiet, I'm going to be around there. sit next to one random person. I have had that happen to me before, and it's very awkward and very weird. Yeah, it's like you yeah. could sit in the, there's a thousand seats and you're sitting next to me. Why? Yeah, why are you doing it's that? I get sticking to your seat Yeah, but that's what happened the one time it happened to me was like the girl sat in her seat and I sat in my seat and it felt like I mean because the guy brought her up to the seat because she didn't know where it was and she sat there. Yeah. And it felt like we were put on this like sort of pseudo date and it wasn't really it was like I'm just like it's a good seat and you just you see but I'll move like I can feel I like, don't, I don't like it. I don't like it. What I always thought to Paul Powell of in cinemas is I'll go in and somebody's sitting in my seat uh-huh. and I'll say, oh, do you know what? I'll get an R seat and I'll get an R seat and someone comes in and yeah. you're in my seat and I'm like, that's because doing my fucking seat yeah. I'm trying to be a decent guy here. No, I'm I get the point. I'm, I'm always now the point. I just say, no, can you please move? Yeah, because even seat. if it's a quiet cinema, I just go, you know what? You move because ultimately what you said is going to happen. Right. Yeah. That's what I thought. Command their seat and you're the dick or something. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Um, so it's about a 10 stuff for the witch's flower. Mary and the witch's flower. Mary and the witch's flower. It does sound a bit dirty, doesn't it? Yeah. That's what I thought as well when I first heard it. I'm like, oh, that sounds icky. But it kind of really kind of weird and like almost like childish. Could you imagine if they don't give me the prom cheese? Oh. Jeez. I mean, the opening scene of this does have octopuses in it. And I'm like, oh, or squids in it. So I'm like, oh, well, clearly this is a Japanese movie. Yeah. If one of them fucked that, that young girl. Them, we know we're in a Japanese film. We know they kept it all very right, Second film, well, again, you haven't seen it, but I saw it on the same day after many even watched the floor, was a film called Tully. Tully is starring. Well, directed by Jason Reitman. Uh, you know who he is? I know the name, but. He's Dick Floyd, Ivan Reitman's son. Yeah. yeah. He also directed Juno. Oh, Up in the air, young adult, and then recently Labour Day and truly awful men, women, and children. He's a very hipster. He uh, can be, yeah, he can be, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah um, the plot of this film is that Charlie Theron, who's the main protagonist in it, is giving birth to her having a third child. Mm-hmm. She's basically at her wit's end. She's 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 stressed as hell. The one of her kids is a bit kind of kind of autistic, not really sure um, yeah, on the scale, on the spectrum. Active, yeah, yeah. Um, so she's trying to deal with us, having the baby, trying to deal with life. Her husband's not a bad guy, but he's always away in business and stuff like that, and just trying to deal with it. She has a baby, and her very rich brother buys her basically a night nanny. Who plays the role? Because Danny, oh, it's Mark the Blast. It's like Ron. Yes, Ron Livingston plays the father, right, okay. who is supposedly his brother-in-law. Obviously, right. but they look very alike. I'm always thinking it should be done the other way around. They should be, should be playing like <laughs> his brother. But anyway, that's fine. Right. Um, so he buys like a, a night nurse, somebody who would come in and deal with all the stuff in the house and deal with the baby at night. So basically, he's waking the mother up just to feed so the mum can get a rest. Uh, character. Sorry. Oh, sorry, the mom. Tully's the character. Yeah, Tully's in the nurse, isn't she? Tully's the character. Tully's the nurse. Yeah, yeah. yeah the, the, the nurse. Yeah. Um, played by Mackenzie Davis, who was in What If in The Martian. And she's a bit more up and come. I've not really seen her in much. I, I'd, see, I'd seen her. Yeah, she was in The Martian. Yeah. But I can't quite feel. Her face. Yeah, I can't really think of her. I think maybe she might be one of the, one of the family back home who like, you see on the television screen maybe at one point. Like, sort of yeah. doing the kind of goodbyes and stuff. Maybe one Possibly, of them. Possibly, yeah. I didn't, I didn't recognise her. Yeah. Well, I did recognise, but I don't really think which was from. Um, Ron Livingston plays the father. He's from Band of Brothers and Office Space. Yeah. And also your man, Mark Duplass. Um So that's the basic premise of the film, which is how trying to deal with life, essentially. And then you know, with the idea that this other person in her house and doing stuff, and she makes you feel a little bit sort of awkward about it, because, like, if this person could be into bonding my child more than I'll bond with my child, and how do I feel about this? But ultimately, I really like the fact I'm sleeping, which is really good, because she's obviously really stressed. Um, Awesome performance from Charlie Theron, but what do you expect from Charlie Theron other than the awesome performances? She is like she is the white female Denzel. Do you think it's down? Wait, so what? What Charlie's? Um, is it that 
she's such a good actress, or is it she's canny with the role she picks? I think, it well, I think it's both. I think a good actor will pick the right roles and yeah. know what they, they, they can do. And then she does it. She does it. She does what she does it well. Yeah. You know, they don't pick films just for the sake of picking it. They pick something specifically. They can bring something to it. She also has a real relationship with Jason Reitman in film, um, because she was in Young Adult. She's a young adult as well, um, so obviously I think they have a friendship from that. Young adult is a cracking movie, it's an absolutely fantastic movie. I thought it kind of meandered at times. Young adult was alright, but at times I thought young adult was a bit kind of, you know. No, I liked it, it was a nice slide shot. Yeah, nice slide shot, wife. Um, well, the like I said, playing like the nun, sh- uh, the nun, the nurse, she's very good as well. So sort of, there's a nice dynamic between the two of them. Um, this film and, every, and the other guys in it as well also very good. They play their roles well. You build, they're believable, and they feel like a real family, like the sort of the Charlie Theron and the Ron Livingston. They feel like a, a married couple. You know the way they, they behave with each other, the way they sort of dealing with life, and they, they don't feel like fake. They don't feel like they don't feel like it's sort of put on. I feel like yeah, that's how married couple are after having you know on the third child been together for probably like 15, 20 years at this point in time. You know they're, they're, they are at that point in life. You know and certain comfort. Comfort yeah. maybe also maybe also a bit looking back maybe a bit sad. Like did I did I settle? too much comfort, you know, should have yeah. maybe tried to do something else to, to push on. Um, so no, I still love the performance by them. And two thirds of this film, it's such a lovely realistic parent, like description of parenting. I don't, I'm also not a parent, but it seems very real, just that idea of being fucking knackered constantly for the first, for a good chunk yeah, of your life. I'm still tired. You're still tired, still. Um, And talking to friends who've got kids, that's a big thing they have from it. It's like, this, it's, a, it's like overwhelming tiredness and distress, and the fact you're not allowed to break down. Yeah. Like society will judge you if you sort of if you raise your voice or you if you're not and particularly now when you have this sort of like these like perfect parents who are like yeah. making fucking a thousand cakes for a kid's school and also doing X Y Z and, and trying to do everything. If you're not that, you see yourself as a bad parent, and it's like you're not a bad parent. You're a fucking human being. You don't have to do everything. That's the scary. It's like that kind of type of person. is a very small niche. It's a kind of middle upper class. Uh-huh. You know, fucking got all the help they need and stuff yeah. like that. Whereas in reality, some of those people are. Or fucking holding down a job, raising kids, and yeah, fucking hard work. Yeah, exactly. So, people who've got like you know, three, two kids, all both of them working, don't have, don't have time to do all this extracurricular stuff. So obviously, yeah. if he's got to do everything they can, just to survive that week, yep. you know. And it's quite, it, it does get to the kind of bare heart of that, and that, and just how tired the Charlie Theron character is. And like I said, for two thirds, I really enjoyed it. I was really digging it. It's a nice dynamic to it. I really loved it. The final third is. It's a fucking goes off the rails. Right, and I've read, you, you've told me this already because of the brief chat. Don't, worry, don't but, spoil it, no, obviously. No, no, but I've read reviews as well, and pretty much everybody says the exact same yeah. thing is this film's really good, and then just crash. And yeah, just crashes crash. and burns the final third. Yeah, it's just. It's Why? Because well, the, the guy can write, you see. Well, it's not, he's not writing a woman called Diablo Cody is writing. Right. She wrote um, Juno. Right, so she can. She can write, she can write. She, she's an Oscar winner. Yeah. But it seems like she paints herself to the point she doesn't know where to go with it. Right. And then she writes this sort of really bizarre ending that makes me go, no. Like, surely there's people around that can see, do you know what, maybe you should fucking go home. But and, and what you'll find is, it's a low budget film. Yeah. Comparison. Reitman has got cred. Charlie Theron's got cred. She's an, um, but she's an Oscar. Yeah, yeah. Do you know, um, the woman who wrote it, yeah, because she got an Oscar as well, that gives a lot of leeway for studios, you know, they can do kind of what they want, you know, Charlie Brown's producing it as well, and if she suddenly says, well, no, I'm going to be in this film, and this is going to end, and if I'm if not going to end it like that, and I won't be in it, then they're not going to make the film, you know, they're not going to so, do it. 
is the ending, without spoilers, is it designed to jar? Is that the point it's meant to jar you, or is it just bad writing? I think it's designed to make up some sort of point, but it just doesn't make that point to me. It right. just, it, again, it, everything about it strikes me as lazy writing. It's and just one person's idea that uh, that's it. I feel, that's yeah, idea, and not. yeah, you feel like it, if that's the idea ending, it just seems like it's just. It feels a silly way. It almost seems like a sort of a cop-out way of ending it. Really? You know, it feels like there could have been a better way to end that film and a more, in a, a sort of more believable and realistic way of ending it. To be honest with you, it doesn't even sound like it's a film that needs an ending. Do you know what I mean? Either? No, it, it, it yeah. feels like it was like a slice of life film. Yeah. And if it had been done as a slice of life yeah. film, then it would have totally been fine. Um, it just it, it sort of ramps up the final twenty five minutes, and then by the end of it, you're like kind of going, nah, obviously, and it almost it almost ruins the entire film. But I'm still so going looking. Compare it to downsizing, which I believe you had the same issue with. Yes. Is it, is Very it, much similar. Is it that, same idea. Yeah. First two thoughts loved it. Final thought hate. Like it the comes a different film. Yeah. And then a bit like kind of. I mean, I didn't mind downsizing, but yeah. I, I kind of do get what you mean. I, I do see what people say about that. Uh-huh. And it makes me feel like if I watch it again, because of what happens at the end, it's so integral throughout the film. When you watch when you rewatch it, it gives you a completely rewatch of the film. It'll give you a completely different outlook on the film, and it'll, I think it'll ruin the second watch of the film. Really? Absolutely, I think it'll wow. ruin the second watch of the film. Oh. Um, I will say though, it is Reitman's best film since Young Adult. Um, it's definitely returned to form after. Labor Day, which was at best average. I remember you talking about Kate Winslet and George Thornton, yeah, that one was average. Um, Men, Women and Children was an absolute abomination. I thought it was one of the worst pieces of type I've ever sat through. I didn't want to see it. I was no. so mad. It looks like an art house piece of shit. It was, an, it was an, a self-indulgent piece of wank yeah. video, essentially, and I yeah. really disliked it really, from the world, almost from the one go, but I really hated that film. Um, so this is definitely not that. It's definitely it's not quite young adult in general levels, or up in there, which I think is a cracking film as well. Um, but it's definitely a nice return to form. Right, let's do... Give me your rating on it. Seven. Take the third act out. If it been the, the, I would call you an eight, eight and a half. Really? Yeah, definitely been bumping up, bump up, yeah. And I think I gave downsides to something similar, but a seven as well. Yeah, 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 and again, it was because the ending just and didn't fit the rest of the movie. Yeah, exactly, just totally jars out the film. Weird, isn't it? Stranger will do that and that shit. There must be somewhere somewhere that will just say, hold on a fucking yeah. minute. You know, just, just wait a minute, let's just fucking
three people in strangers, strangers in the, in, in the thing. Yeah. yeah, and it's basically them getting chased around the park. Right, yeah. 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 In the film you go up, the mum was played by Christina Hendricks, who I like. Yeah, I, I did warn you. She's not in it much, she's yeah. She's not in it. Very no. spoiled. No, she's, she's not, not in it long. She's not in it a lot. Uh, you get Martin Henderson playing the dad. Who is he? He's in Everest and Grey's Anatomy. That's the sort of two things he's in. Right, okay. okay. Uh, he's a New Zealander. So he's probably, that's probably his accent quite well, I thought. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. I, I wouldn't have guessed New Zealander. Uh, you've all. got Bailey Madison. Who yeah. plays the daughter? Uh, daughter, who's she then? Bridget Herbathia. Ah, right, okay, yeah, right, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, now. It makes sense, yeah, yeah. it was kind of really familiar. Yeah, yeah. Got it, yeah. Got there. And also the son's played by Lewis Pullman. Bill Pullman's son? It is Bill Pullman's son. He is Bill And you can see it straight away, I can totally notice it. He's got his old man's look about him. Definitely his old man's look. He's in Battle of Sex and a few other things, but Battle of Sex is one thing I noticed him. But you look at me go, that is clearly young Bill Pullman. Yeah. He's quite a decent actor as well. He's not a bad actor, yeah. I've talked a lot this now, what do you think of it? I really, really liked it. Oh, fuck's um, I only seen the original about two or three months ago, I think I mentioned on the podcast. Yeah. Um, I was kind of late to that party. I can't recall the original, to be honest. Um, the, the original, it, these are two different movies. You know, you've got The Strangers and then this one. Um, the, the original really, really built up in tension. It mm. was just a couple. Oh, yes. Um, the background was a lot of kind of country music stuff like yeah. that. And it just built and built and built. And the last kind of half hour is when it all exploded. Right, okay. Um, this one is, is kind of harking back to traditional slasher movie. Yeah. It, it all kind of, you know, you get your 15 minute build up and then it starts. Straight into it, almost, yeah. up, almost um, into it, yeah. This one is fueled by an 80s rock soundtrack, which yeah. I thought worked fantastically. Well, the only thing that was missing for me was I think we're alone now, big difference. Probably missing. Not about Bon Jovi? No, no, I think we're alone. Dead. Come on, come on, come on. Wow. Um, yeah. But I, I, I thought it was. Right, it, it doesn't add anything to the genre. No, it does not. Um, but it doesn't detract at all. I thought it is a slasher movie, it was perfectly serviceable. As a sequel to The Strangers, maybe not as strong as the source material, mm-hmm. but I think it would be a big, big horror fan. I love a horror, and that's thought it was a really serviceable slasher movie. I think towards the end, it was hinting at getting supernatural. Maybe? Well, at the end, it's, it has like 14 different fucking endings, to be honest. Well, yeah. the, the bit with the truck and stuff like that. Truck like, you know, and then, you're, you're not afraid of fucking Jason. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. yeah. It's almost like they're trying to set up some sort of like... Possibly. Like a franchise by this. Aye, yeah. aye, maybe. Like he's, um, he's going to be the new Freddy or the new I think what's Jason. really good about it is you, you kind of get films like um, Halloween and Jason Freddy where the killing is so over the top and gory and blood splatter and it's you know, all these big gestures and, and fucking visual guts and blood and stuff like that. This is it's like, you know, this is how you imagine, God forbid, it ever happens, but how you imagine violence would be? You know, it, it, you know, somebody gets stabbed and they, they don't pull away, you know, it shows you the reaction yeah, yeah, yeah. and what happens and it's just long and drawn out and, you know, you, you do kind of feel horrible, you know, like a bit of pull. And the as well as a bit the old man. Oh, about the pool, yeah, okay. Yeah. And you know, he's just kind of doing his thing in the pool and walking around and stuff, and it just, you know, holds you there, and it's uncomfortable, and it just holds, and it holds. Or the bit in the car with the screwdriver. Okay. And, you know, it just holds, and it's not like, you know, fucking Fred will come in and tear you apart, you know, it's just like, this, this is horrible, it's violent, it's not overly glamorised, you know, it's just, it's violence. Violence done in a very nonchalant way. I think it, it, it's 
Um, I mean, hopefully not, but okay. I, I think they'll do another one. I just hope they don't do what I suspect Aaron goes supernatural. Yeah, I don't think, think they need to. The only way to keep the thing alive is to make it supernatural. You know, if they're going to do anything, go back to me then. And as you're saying, give us reason. There, 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 must be, there must be a reason there somewhere. Don't you know, go find the reason yeah. to give us that, even rather than going to. Yeah. I like a purpose in a horror film. Is I mean, even something as simple as like. like the hills of eyes, you know, they're 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 pissed off at the government, they're pissed off at the world. Oh, they're just inbred. They're inbred. So that's that's the purpose. There's no real purpose. No, to I, I kind of I, I think I'm the opposite. I like the idea that you know why did you do that? Because we can. I, I really like that idea, and I think that's more horrible. Is that like I, I suppose in America it's like you know a breaking entry is you know breaking an entry it, it just happens. I mean, it's like people break into a house, some across and they kill you. No reason at all other than you know you walked in the room and they were there. And I think. It captures that kind of element of, you know, people do bad things, why? Because they're bad people. Yeah. That's what I got from him. You got from him, fair enough. Yeah. Um, I think if you watch like an 80s sort of themed horror film that sort of does like an 80s thing, um, The Town That Feared Sundown is a really good one. It is a great movie to watch. See, wait, this is because. And I feel, like, I feel this was trying to do what it did. I'm I don't think it was an 80s film. I think the music was 80s. I thought the style as well, a lot of the camera zooms and the camera pans. I definitely got modern day for it. Definitely the music and stuff, but the soundtrack kind of was harking back to the 80s, but then like. You know, if I had a Ford Capri, I'd be filming Bon Jovi. Just no, but the, the, the stuff with the camera work indicated to me they were going for the sort of like the, the sort of the, the flash, the um, flash zoom and the, stuff. The, the opening credits were very, very even Stranger the, Things. Even your thing, yeah. very, very Stephen Kingy. But then you know they're tapping into something to pop as well. They're almost going for a sort of they were kind of pushing for like a B movie, almost sort of like video nasty type thing at times with some of the, the, the zoom pans. Yeah, that, again, which I don't think is a bad thing in a slasher. No, it's not a bad thing. Yeah. Bad. I think yeah. when you do you commit to it fully, don't just kind of half arse it. Yeah, what do you give it a ten? I gave it a seven out of ten. Seven out of ten. I really enjoyed it. Thought it was good fun. I'm gonna go four and a half. Ooh, really? Not yeah, bad. not bad. I was I was grateful that it's seventy about eighty minutes long. Yeah. I was grateful for how long it was. I thought it moved really well. You know, I don't think at any point I felt laboured. Um, I thought the swimming pool scene was outstanding. Okay. Just the, you know the lights, the music, the tension. That that whole scene had me just fucking you know like wow man this this is almost for. How I remember it from 1987, do you know what I mean? Almost like that. Really like that. But no, it's, that, that, I enjoyed it. Um, so, go see it yourselves, let us know what you think. It's, I mean, it's, it's actually right, it's calling it. It must have been doing alright because it's got an all week cinema. Right, okay. So it must have been doing okay. I mean, the audience I was in on an orange Wednesday was not big. No. But it must be getting some type of business because it is in a second um, week. Just on a side note, and again, which was a bit with a screwdriver, did you think it was going to go where it didn't go? Yeah. Yeah, I thought yeah. that as well. It was like, you know, oh my god, don't do that. Don't yeah, do it. Yeah, it's good. I think it didn't go for the cheap shot. Tapped imagination yeah. more because that's the worst horror you can do is do not. You know what I mean? It's, it's more worse than if you ever seen screen. And I thought that was really clever. Because you were just waiting for it and it never happened. You were like, relieved almost. Yeah. Enough. Yeah. Anyway, right. Is that enough? I love horror. You love horror. Yeah. But moving horror, we're going to mention very quickly um, because we do so occasionally mention people who have passed away. Um, usually quite big guys. I'm going to mention this one, which is um, uh, a woman who died yesterday. I think it was yesterday, wasn't it? Yesterday, or possibly the morning day before. Yeah. A woman called Anne Coates, who was a British lady, um, who was also an editor. A and very, a very fucking good editor. Very fine. Um, she worked from the 1940s through 2014, I think it was. Cause she, exactly. she edited the last one. The last one she edited was the Fifty Shades film. So when was that? 2014, something like that. Two or three years ago. Yeah, but she was working from the 1940s almost. So if you imagine women in 1940s Hollywood trying to get ahead in the game. It's yeah. if you imagine how difficult it is now. You yeah, know, yeah, <laughs> back then. then you know, yeah. Good for her. Man. Good, She's yeah. a pioneer. 
Um, so she's best known for won the Oscar for Lawrence of Arabia, um, which was a well, for a breakthrough. So was she the main editor? Or she not? was the only editor on that film. Wow. When you think Lawrence of Arabia is one of those films that's well known for having about four miles of film. Yeah. You know, it's like Apocalypse Now level. It's massive. And so she, and she, she crafted that and take all of it. I mean, think how much food she must have had for that film. Exactly, it's a three and a half hour film. And make it into that. Yeah. Fucking amazing film that is long to live. David Lean wow. is not an easy man to work with by all accounts. Yeah, yeah. You know, she worked with him, you know, and, and managed to craft as much as he crafted that film by direction and, and what he wanted to do in it. So much of that film is based on what she's put together um, as well. Um, she also won a second Oscar in I think 2015, like a legendary, like honorary one as well. So she's got two Oscars. Wow. Um, she also worked on, like, basically, she worked on like 1940s almost consistently. She worked on a film called Hotel Paradiso. Which I have seen. Yeah, Great Catherine she worked on as well. Murder Known Express, 1974 version. She's yes. done that one as well. Man Friday. I've seen Man Friday. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Eagle Has Landed. Yes. Yes, oh. she's done it also in The Elephant Man. Wow, I love it. Have you seen that? I love it, man. It's a horrible film. It's horrible. good. Yeah, yeah, she's done Raw Deal as well. Schwarzenegger one. Arnold Schwarzenegger. Which is... It, now, that's a... That's a... Yeah, I done the Elephant Man. I done the Elephant Man. Yeah, it's like... She, she's, as much as she was a jobbing editor, she, she'd done work for hire. She'd yeah. been sure if you'd have to. She also done Master of the Universe as well. Yeah, it's probably not high enough resume. Yeah, she's done What About Bob. Yeah, yeah, yeah. she done um, well. Out of Sight as well, the Clooney. Oh, Clooney, yeah. Yep, so that one's done Erin Brockovich as well. Yes. Um, she done Chaplin, which I think is a phenomenal movie. I love that movie. I've no. never seen Erin Brockovich. Erin Brockovich, good film. Yeah, no, 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 never. Um, but why should she live in our heart? She done Congo, which is a three years favourite. She done Congo, and I love Erin Congo. Hudson. Yeah, she made, she made Congo look amazing. Yeah. But you think you don't appreciate good editing until it's not there. And we've so many, we've seen so many films over the last like I don't even do even just doing this podcast. Where you're going like that, why do they not take 25 minutes out? Why not take yeah. six out? Why do they leave that and why do that? And great editors can make a film as much as a good director, and she is one of the best. Has anything changed over the years to think? Has I, it become. I, I think directors have too much control now when it's editing, they sort of have too much of a vision where they want their things their way. Right. And maybe they're, they're working with editors sometimes who they see them as, as, as a tool, not tool as a bad thing, it's like tool as like just the way you do a hammer or screw out, it's something. You cut this because I can't, you do it and then we'll work with that. Mm. They're not willing to maybe take the pictures in the same way and a push of and maybe as well the problem is editors are always wanting to be some editors are trying to maybe push away up the chain and maybe directors even possibly. And they're not willing to push other directors to do things they shouldn't do. You know, if you think if you listen to the stories of like say for Coppola when he was doing like Apocalypse Now and the fights he had in the in the um the edit room with his editor to try and get to try and craft this film, same with like stuff like with um Awesome Wells, you're not having to hide copies of the film, you're trying you know, to try and fight out to get, to get certain cuts of the film out. Yeah, so editors at like that back in the day were sort of more, they sort of seen it more as a craft and they actually could make the film be something like something be better. Be better. And I mean, I, I would place my faith, you know, if somebody says I'm an editor, I'd be like, well, you fucking edit it, Jim, because you know what you're doing. You know, something, you know, you know, shoot the shit and make it nice, you make it fucking better. Chances are the director's probably sitting in the room with them when they're editing it, they're not doing it, they're doing it independently. Some directors will all head up because it'll take their own cut. Do it first, and then from that, then they'll sit down and they'll start craft it, it together. Once, once there's got an assembly cut put together, mm-hmm. where you get guys like Kevin Smith who edits his own stuff, and he's basically shooting to cut. He's he, and in his mind, he says he's a direct, he's an editor who happens to direct. Right. In his mind, he knows what he's doing when he's editing. You know, and some yeah. and guys like Soda Bread like that as well. You know, they edit, they direct, direct the film, they're editing it. You know what a shot is. Yeah. Like, you know, give, yeah, they're not doing, yeah. they're not doing fifty angles. Right? They know yeah. what they want, and they're doing this. Yeah. Um, so like I said, good editors can so can make a film so much. 
um, and I think it's all, and also and then you can you watch certain films that are edited and you can go to that you can tell who it is editing it because there's a certain structure to it and a certain way they're doing it but if you watch so, um, films like say before topics like say Transformers and big budget films you see like five editors on a film yeah, the tone gets lost because some editors doing something one way and others doing another way and it just seems it's not a big thing but something that just, the idea of the film gets lost in that sort of the multiple cuts of a film too many cooks too many cooks exactly yeah, so. who's, um, who, who would you say the who do I like editing wise right now who, who's the most well known editor would you say I'm not sure man I'm trying to think who the most well known editor would be mm-hmm. I think so there was Tarantino's editor know. Sally Menke she was obviously massive she was huge right. you know, she, she, she made the tons of she passed away recently yeah. um, I'm actually one to try to think who's, who's your favourite editor I like who? Sally Menke she was really good like, yeah. do you like Kevin Smith in the movie? yeah because he's again a guy you look at all his films they're talking like under two hours in most of his movies, all his mm-hmm. movies. So he knows how to cut chuff out. And if you watch, like, if you watch the, the deleted scenes of that kind of stuff, you go, some of this is really funny, some of this is really good. Some of choices he's making. Yeah, but he's going, like, you know what, to make the film better, I will take that out. Yeah, he's willing to sacrifice. And you're willing to sacrifice, you know, you're killing your baby. Which does seem to be quite a problem mm-hmm. in Hollywood. Because I think also, if you don't know the editor's name, it's not a bad thing. Yeah. Because yeah. they're doing their job, yeah, they're, doing their, yeah. they're doing their job right. Yeah. You know that kind of way. If, if you know their name, you're gonna kind of go, "Oh fuck, he's doing it. This is gonna be shit." Because he knows. You know, well, you know, you watch a film, you like it. Why would you hope it? Yeah, you're hoping. Yeah. You know, you're hoping if editor A comes in on director B's movie, and then director C comes in on director B's movie, they don't know it's any difference because it's it, they, they know the tone of everything. You know yeah. what they're doing. So yeah. So I should mention and quotes. 1925 to you've got Sherlock Gnomes yes yes <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I think me and you might go and see on Wednesdays to kill time um, we'll take me up and over um, but out new next week you've got Life of the Party which is Melissa McCarthy basically which, doing it, which is like kind of looks like Animal House with, with yeah. ladies uh, you got in Teddy, which I think I was hopeful for, but it's not getting great reviews. It can quite it's bad. Yeah, that's one with Daniel Brühl. I don't like Rosman. Yeah, but it's getting, about if you look at it, how much advertising you've seen for that film, yeah. it's getting buried. Yeah. I, I think, yeah, I don't think the feel confident about burying it. Do you yeah. think political films? I guess that's probably. Do you think it divides audiences too much? It's not I think people watch a good political film if it's, if it's not well done, and people will not watch I think it. It's just, not a good film. Not a good film, yeah. Oh, um, but I mean, we've not seen it yet, so we can't judge. So we're, we're going to see it this week. And um, you got Breaking In, which I think looks really good. Yes, I was in show for that last night. Yep. Um, and fuck yes. 100% excited for it. You And also on Tuesday, one out is um, Deadpool. Yeah. Deadpool's out on Tuesday, which I'm not going to see Friday, unfortunately. Okay. Um, but I am. Fucking, okay. I've got my fuck on for Deadpool. So we're not talking Deadpool next week, but the week after, because you want to talk about it as well. Yeah, so I'm, I'm going to see it Tuesday. Call me, tell me where you find us. Um, yeah, you can find us at all the usual points. Uh, so it's three beers in the movie. So when you're looking at Aubrey, it's not THRE, it's the number three. Right? Number three. Right, the number three beers in the movie. And we're on Gmail, uh, Facebook, and Instagram, and Twitter, all at the same place, three beers in the movie. So look us up, like us, let us know what you think, give us your opinions of the movies that we've given your opinions of. 
And um, yeah, come, come fucking join. We're in the future. Come join us for a fucking. We give you three beer in the raven still. <laughs> Two weeks in a row, three beer in the raven. Ass is fine here. I've just said you are. You did, you not, did, I'm not lying. You did get a free beer again today, it's true, yes. Yeah, um, I've been Colin, you've been Richard, and thanks for doing it. And uh, we've been.